in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh-oh. Hello. It's all right. Nothing was broken. Somebody just came in here and spilled um, a lot of water. It's fine. It's not like the time I spilled the water and it went right on this uh, very expensive piece of equipment. $10,000. I was like, give me a break. This thing It's from 1979. This is not $10,000. Well, it was $10,000. And um, thank you for taking care of it. Not making such a big... Hey, don't make a big deal out of it. All right? Don't make a big deal out of it. All right. Hello. Um, it is Friday, and that's a wonderful thing. And I'm also incredibly optimistic. I'm hearing from some liberal friends of mine who are very much in the know on the other side. They talk to the White House. They talk to all the top people in the Senate. They, uh, they're just to- wildly connected. And you know what they tell me? They're all totally freaked out about the midterms. We're talking 30-seat pickup in the House for Republicans, two, maybe three Senate seats. I think, uh, I just know. I just know it. I can feel it. They're worried. Oh, and Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin, baby. Hey, let's get his new commercial. He is calling out Kathy Hochul big time. I mean, we all know about the crime. We all know about the chaos. But he calls her out on this uh, very cynical play on abortion. It's going to backfire on her. Now, she's, oh, Lee Zeldin will make it uh, dangerous for women and girls to exist in New York because he'll take away their right to an abortion. Well, no, he won't, actually. Um, he can't. And uh, if you want, if, you, if that's your issue, abortion is not going away in New York for a host of reasons. But Kathy has miscalculated. Um, she's not good at calculating, but she comes off more pro-abortion than pro-choice and that's dangerous for these uh for these people hey here's a highlight or a low light this is everything you need to know about january 6th okay here we go ready this is uh, uh the hottie of the summer cassidy hutchinson who had some deputy to a deputy to a deputy job in the trump white house and then she says trump is a threat to democracy because some guy named tony told her so cut 37 i looked at tony and he had said did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? Tony proceeded to tell me. I recall Tony and I having a conversation. I had another conversation with Tony. I remember Tony mentioning knives, guns. Tony would oversee all of that. Well, why didn't they investigate? Why didn't they interview Tony? Why are they talking to Cassidy? Because they don't want to hear from Tony. They want to hear from somebody who. Uh, can just say whatever the hell they want. Tony has direct information. They don't want that. They just don't want... Um, every channel right now has January 6th on. I guess I can't give them too much of a hard time, because here I am talking about January 6th. Well, let me put away what they say, and let me go to what the president said. President Trump, that is. He put out one hell of a statement. It just came out a little while ago. It's a long one. He addresses it to the Honorable Benny G. Thompson, chairperson of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Dear Chairman Thompson, first off, the very top of it, he says, peacefully and patriotically. Dear Chairman Thompson, I'm going to read this thing, okay? It's very interesting, informative, 
There's a lot here, and let's go through it. It's important. These are the words of the President of the United States in a letter written to Chairman Benny Thompson. Dear Chairman, the presidential election of 2020 was rigged and stolen. The same group of radical left Democrats who utilize their majority position in Congress to create the fiction of Russia, 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 impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the $48 million Mueller probe, which ended in no collusion, Ukraine, 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 the atrocious and illegal spying on my campaign, and so much more are the people who created this committee of highly partisan political hacks and thugs whose sole function is to destroy the lives of many hardworking American patriots whose records in life have been unblemished until this point of attempted ruination. The double standard of the unselects between what has taken place on the right and what has taken place with the radical left, lawless groups such as Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and others, is startling and will never be acceptable, even to those who will be writing the history of what you have done to America. Yep, 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 yep. History. History will remember. This memo is being written to express our anger, disappointment, and complaint with all of the hundreds of millions of dollars spent on what many consider to be a charade and witch hunt. And despite strong and powerful requests, you have not spent even a short moment on examining the massive election fraud that took place during the 2020 presidential election and have targeted only those who were as concerned American citizens protesting the fraud itself. Those who committed the fraud, thereby having created the crime of the century, go unblemished and untouched. But those who fought the crime have suffered a fate that was unthinkable just a short time ago. He's right. It is unthinkable what these people have gone through. I showed it on my show last night. Jail? Jail for people who didn't hurt anybody or break anything? Can you believe the Horns guy is in jail right now for like seven years? He was escorted onto the Senate floor by Capitol Police. Escorted onto the Senate floor. Donald Trump continues. You ready? We have a two-tier system of justice in the United States that cannot be allowed to continue. A majority of people in our country say that the presidential election of 2020 was determinatively dishonest, including the fact that many legislatures were overridden by local and state politicians and judges on vital regulations and requirements, which is totally illegal and unconstitutional. He is absolutely right, by the way. In February of 2021, Time Magazine broke the story of the shadow campaign that was launched to rig the 2020 presidential election. The authors write, To the president, something felt amiss. It was all very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing Time Magazine story. It came out in uh, April. Oh, was it February 2020? Yeah, February 2021. You got to look it up. It was written by Molly Ball. And basically, it's a roadmap to what the Democrats did to screw with this election. Check it out when you can. It's online. Uh, back to the Trump statement. You did not ask one question about any of this. Since 1888, no incumbent president has gained votes and lost re-election. Isn't that interesting, by the way? Gained votes. He gained votes over 2016, yet still lost. It's never happened before. I received many millions more votes in 2020 than I did in 2016, unheard of in our political history. When you win Ohio, 
Florida, and Iowa, which I did in the landslide, no president has lost the general election since 1960. We swept all four bellwether states, Iowa, Florida, Ohio, and North Carolina, and have correctly predicted election winners since 1896. I won 18 of the 19 bellwether counties. My coattail secured the victories of 27 out of 27 toss-up House races, and the Democrats did not flip a single state legislature. Yet somehow, Biden beat Obama with the black population in select swing cities, but nowhere else. It is all not possible or very likely, but should have been a major subject of your committee's work because it was the election result that brought this record-breaking crowd to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. A large percentage of American citizens, including the almost the entire Republican Party, feel that the election was rigged and stolen because they have seen the determinative evidence, some of which is attached to this letter. No work was done by the Committee on Election Fraud. We and a huge portion of the American people simply asked that it be part of your committee's work. It wasn't. In addition, the unselect committee has willfully ignored the fact that days before January 6, 2021, I recommended and authorized thousands of troops to be deployed to ensure that there was peace, safety, and security at the Capitol and throughout Washington, D.C. on January 6th, because I knew just based on instinct and what I was hearing that the crowd coming to listen to my speech and various others would be a very big one, far bigger than anyone thought possible. As it turns out, it was indeed one of the largest crowds I have ever spoken before, a very wide swath stretching all the way back to the Washington Monument. The massive size of this crowd and its meaning has never been a subject of your committee nor has it been discussed by the fake news media that absolutely refuses to acknowledge in any way, shape, or form the magnitude of what was taking place. In fact, for such a historic event, there are very few pictures that accurately show the event or how many people were really there. Incredibly, it seems that pictures showing the size of the event were perhaps canceled, scrubbed, deleted, or in any event not available. But we still have some, as attached. And by the way, they're there, and I'm looking at him. <laughs> He's right. You can't find these pictures very easily. And these crowds do look, they're, 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 they're tremendous. The Department of Defense timeline shows that National Guard troops could have easily been present at the Capitol before January 6th, and that I fully authorize this recommendation and request. Following my authorization, the Department of Defense was surprised to receive a wholesale refusal in writing from D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and the Capitol Police, who do not report to me, but report to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Excuse me. The law requires their authorizations before any troop deployment could be utilized in Washington, D.C. Why the failure to act or use this ready force? Had even a small percentage of National Guard or fencing been there, there would have been no problem. Yeah. They used bike racks, bike racks to... Uh, Bike racks to uh, secure the Capitol. Bicycle racks. Wow. I did my job long ahead of schedule. Some people call it good instinct, but the troops were ready to go. Nancy Pelosi and Muriel Bowser, the mayor, did not do their jobs. They didn't like this look of soldiers, and sadly, your committee refuses to say anything about it. Because if they did, it would be clear that I did everything correctly. 
and that it is not what the committee wants to see. You stated openly that Nancy Pelosi is off limits. There will be no discussions on this subject. Yet she and the mayor were responsible for this very bad decision not to bring in troops. The troops were ready to go, and you refused to even discuss the subject. Why? Despite very poor television ratings, the unselect committee has perpetrated a show trial the likes of which this country has never seen before. There is no due process, no cross-examination, no real Republican members, and no legitimacy since you do not talk about election fraud and not calling up the troops. It is a witch hunt of the highest level, a continuation of what has been going on for years. You have not gone after the people that created the fraud, but rather great American patriots who questioned it, as is their constitutional right. These people have had their lives ruined as your committee sits back and basks in the glow. The people of this country will not stand for unequal justice under the law or liberty and justice for some. Election Day is coming. We demand answers on the crime of the century. Sincerely, Donald J. Trump, 45th President of the United States. That is one hell of a statement. And I've got, there's more. There's an appendix with pictures of massive crowds at the at, uh, right on the ellipse behind the White House, between the White House and the Washington Monument. And then he goes, wow, this is a lot of stuff. What went wrong in Arizona? What went wrong in Georgia? What went wrong? In, do you really, I mean, you think this is all settled? It's not been settled. And just because the fake news says it was a free and fair election? No, no way. God bless this president, President Trump. You know, Joe Biden, I'm going to, tonight, he made a solemn promise, solemn. He swore to God that he would always be straight with us. Always be straight with us. And then he did, he he told more lies this week, perhaps, than at any point in his career. I wanted to play this yesterday, but I didn't get around to it. Before we go to break, Joe Biden, this is him engaging in stolen valor, cut 42. American soldiers (laughs) in the 10th Mountain Division scaled that 1,800-foot cliff at night, caught the Germans by surprise, captured captured key positions and broke through the German defense line at a pivotal point in the war. Just imagine, I mean it sincerely, I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Imagine the courage, the daring, and the genuine sacrifice. Lost his life, and he's talking about Bo Biden, who died in a hospital in Delaware years after his deployment to Iraq. This is so disrespectful to Bo. Now we got to go at and point out that he did not die in Iraq. He died of brain cancer, which probably was a genetic thing. Um, Joe himself had brain cancer. That is stolen valor. That is a is resignable a word. I think that's a resignable offense. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you know what's uh, really really impressive. And they don't get enough acknowledgement. I guess they get one day. Mothers. My goodness gracious, mothers. What I put my mother through, what my children are putting my wife through, their mother. Mommy. Mommy. 
four times a night at least. Mommy! They don't say daddy, because <laughs> uh, daddy is uh, busy staying in bed. It's one of the perks of being a man, or at least a man in my household. I uh, just love the, it's very traditional, some might say old-fashioned, some may say patriarchal, I don't know. I think, quite frankly, it's natural. I think the woman is uh, charged, and uh, you know what? She has hips for a reason. You know, they when they carry a child, you ever see how they prop it right there in the between the the rib cage and the hip? It's designed for carrying kids. Men don't have that, and women are just better at it. They just are. And uh, anyway, but what they do is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I had this theory. I know some households, and it's great. You know, men share it all, do half of it, sometimes more than half. But I think you just make two people exhausted, and the same with the same net result, the child is cared for. But you've increased the labor. Like, you've doubled, you made it more inefficient because two people are doing the work of one, in a way. I'm also impressed with drones. I want to. I want to get a drone, but there are like ten thousand to choose from. Um, Jim is on the phone in Westchester. Yes, sir. Hello, Greg. Uh, I'm calling about a subject that WABC has mentioned: the uh, pending parole of uh, Arthur uh, Anthony uh, Blanks, who murdered Officer Damati up here uh, on the train platform. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Just a little, a little background. I live in the community, and I remember when Officer Damati was shot. It was a known thing here, for example, that they were shot outside near a uh, date shop or a, a supermarket. Anyway, folks from the store ran out, and unfortunately, one of them was his daughter, who was saving her money or working to make money for the prom. Let me explain why I called you. All right, you got to stay on the. You got to. They're playing the music. Don't go away. We'll pick up on the other side. Sa- uh, Jim, I want to hear the rest of this. And, uh, yeah, I, I saw that, letting the guy go. I don't know. All right. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When it comes to uh, the 2020 election, it's it's uh, wide open, wide open for investigation. So many unanswered questions. Donald Trump provided this. Maricopa County accepted at least 20,000 mail-in ballots after Election Day 2020 including 18,000 on November 4th, 2020, picked up from the U.S. Postal Service, more than the entire election margin of 10,457 votes. A study of early ballot envelope signatures identified 229,430 mismatched signatures in Maricopa County, but officials only reported 25,000 mismatches. An Arizona forensic audit of Maricopa County identified numerous anomalies, fraud, and election law violations that are determinative, including 17,322 duplicate absentee ballot envelopes, which surged after the election. Between November 4th and November 9th, scores of mail-in ballot duplicates emerged. 96% of the ballots that came in on two days of these days were duplicates. And then I hear yesterday, oh, well, Steve Bannon said Trump was going to declare victory. He even said that before Election Day, that no matter what, he would declare victory. Well, I heard Hillary Clinton say that same damn thing. And I saw Jennifer Palmieri, her communications director, lift up her arms to cheer, to cheer that very idea. Yes! Yes! We're going to declare victory no matter what. We're going to declare victory no matter what. Uh, I do think this election was uh, 
was fooled around with in a big way. All right, Jim, I'm sorry. You were on the phone talking about that officer who was shot many, many years ago, and it looks like the uh, the cop killer might get released. What's up? What do you got? Yes. Well, basically, the thing is, I was called for the jury pool up in White Plains, and uh, I was not selected for the jury. What do you mean, many, many? On... Wait, wait, wait. Calm down. Slow down a little bit. Many, many years ago or what? It was 1978 when, All right. when the trial of the killer was held, and I was uh, called, and I was rejected for the jury. I was told later by a lawyer friend, I probably had two strikes against me. I have an Italian last name, Officer Damati was Italian, and I lived in the adjacent town, Mamaroneck, at Tlarchmont, which is probably why I was rejected. But I remember the time thinking, I didn't know if I could vote the death penalty. As I like to say, the good nuns at the Immaculate Conception in Astoria. I got you. really did a good job. But the point is that what I did, I called Jamal Bowman's office. He's our alleged congressman. And I said, do you have an opinion on this? I mean, Mike Lawler was up there in White Plains. All right, and, all right, uh, yeah, all right, dude. I mean, you got, there's a lot of names you're throwing around. What's the bottom line here? is I want to see if Jamal Bowman, our alleged congressman, is going to call me back and say, yes, I oppose the uh, parole of this cop killer. Well, he may not. I mean, who knows? But if you uh, hold on, hold on. I tell you guys all the time, you can't you if somebody calls you and you don't know who they are, are you going to call them back? I mean, you may say, well, it's his job. He's a congressman. You know what you got to do to get their attention? You got to write a letter. You got to write a letter. You got to write a letter. And oh, by the way, um, Jamal Bowman may not be a congressman for all that much longer. Someone's running against him. I forgot. It's a woman. Uh, I'll get the name in a moment. Uh, maybe he's gone. So I get it. All right. You want answers, uh, but you got to write a letter. Anyway, I, it's, you know, it's, by the way, he, his, his opinion is not determinative, if you know what I mean. He has no he role. One. He offer one. All right. All right. Okay. He should do a lot of things. He's, he, he we kind of know that this guy's a defunder. doesn't really like cops. You know, he's a maniac. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Jim, there are other voices. I'm sorry you weren't on that jury, but there are other, other agencies and you can try writing the parole board. What are you wasting your time with some Democrat lunatic congressman? I want him to make a statement. All right, Jim. I know. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Greg. I, thank you. Hey, I'll write a letter. Write a letter. Jim, write a letter. Thank you. Today. All right. Thank bye. bye. Um, uh, let's do one more. Uh, Rob in Farmingdale. Hey, Greg. Good afternoon. I'm enjoying your show as usual. I just want to let you know that you're my hero. But? And no but. But, uh, yeah, there is. But yeah! When the wolf. <laughs> when the wolf. You can tell it. I can feel it. I can smell it. What is it? But when the here it is when the woke mob comes after you about your lovely comments about women and children and their hips, please don't pull a Troy Aikman and fold. Oh yeah, right, right, right. I know what's up with that guy, or what's up? What do they say? They should put on their dresses. Uh, hopefully, they're not wearing dresses, or they should they should take off their no, no, skirts no, and said, man up. He's, he's, no, no, no. He said that he wants the officials to let them play the game and take the dresses off. Yeah, it doesn't seem like such a big deal to me, that comment. It, is, it isn't a big deal, but today it is a big deal. Yeah. So what did I do? I'm not in any hot water, am I? Well, probably. What did I say that was wrong? Listen, Greg, just keep on keeping on. You are the man. All right. Rob, I like your style. Thank you very, very much. Uh, oh, I got to go back to this uh, this Trump stuff, by the way. Just listen to this. All this crap. 
that they just say is election denialism. No, we have real valid concerns about the crazy stuff that went down. Case in point, Georgia. 43,907 ballots from Facebook-funded drop boxes were countered, counted in DeKalb County that violated the chain of custody rules. Remember, Georgia was decided by 11,779 votes. What was Facebook doing throwing all that money around? And enough with these ballot drop boxes. Hey, everybody, here's where the votes are. In this unattended, flimsy, plastic box on its own all night long. I mean, the Postal Service is about a 1,000 times more secure than a ballot drop box. Poll workers were caught scanning ballots multiple times on camera in Fulton County. Ballot images confirmed at least 3,390 duplicate votes were counted for Joe Biden. At least 10,300 illegally cast votes in Georgia and up to 35,000 are from individuals who voted in the wrong county more than necessary to tip the 2020 results. And by the way, it's a free country. You know, it's amazing what they're trying to pull. And it makes me even more suspicious of them. That even saying this kind of stuff can get you into trouble, can get you deplatformed. And not that I count, although I do keep my eye on it. I just lost 10,000 Twitter followers like that. Boom, they just disappeared. I also noticed that I have been throttled way, way back because they're getting very, very antsy about my reach which they can't stop. We got some exciting things happening. Pete in New Jersey, yes. Hello. Uh, I stole on the news last night. I can't hear you. I, 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 hello? Yeah. Pete, I'm sorry. It doesn't work. Mike, what's going on? Mike in Wayne. Hey, Greg, how are you? Good. Uh, what about Reyes? How come they're not calling him in to testify? Who? Ray Adams. Yeah, well, hey, there are a lot of people they could call in to testify. Do you, know you know who Ray Epps is or no? Yes, I know who Ray Epps is. He's the guy who was standing there. He was whispering. He was saying crazy stuff. He lives in Arizona, and uh, a lot of us think that he was instigating, and he was probably put up to it by the government. Yet he's uh, this mystery man, and suddenly it's hands off. So uh, I've got my doubts and concerns about Ray Epps. I also would like to know specifically how many FBI agents were in that mob. There was more than one. We know that there was more than one. Um, I was there. You were there? Yeah, but I didn't. I, I was at the first thing, not at the second thing. I was at the so Trump speech. That was it. I didn't go do what they did. That's ridiculous. Well, you know, I mean, I'll, when you say do what they did, I saw some no. people just go. They were waved in. They were allowed inside. They were. They and were. the people who they were fighting, by the way, the people who were fighting the cops, they were just milling around until bloody damn stun grenades were thrown into the crowd. Absolutely. There no, was so much, saying... so much police misconduct. I am a huge supporter of cops, but I know that cops sometimes do misbehave and do commit malpractice. And I saw a hell of a lot of it on January 6th. About the FBI agents that want to testify that that broad said he reached for the steering wheel and he never did. Why don't they let them testify? But broad. That woman that testified and said Trump said, you bring me dinner, and then he lurched. Yeah, you're talking about Cassidy Hutchinson. Well, remember, Cassidy heard that from uh, Tony, who heard it from Joe, who heard it from Pete, who heard it from George. Uh, It's really laugh out loud funny. And the other thing is, oh, where's that one guy? This is a bad, bad. This First of all, here's Caroline Edwards. She is a very attractive cop who testified, one of the crying cops, 
Hey, did you notice they were very selective about the cops that testified? You know, they had a, uh, let me see, they had a Puerto Rican, uh, they had a fat black guy, uh, they had a attractive woman, and they had a good old boy white guy, right? They had figures that the swamp thought it would be very, very awkward for mainstream Republicans to attack or to undermine or to question their credibility. Now, I'm no mainstream Republican, and I don't give a damn. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you came from. I don't care how poor you are, how rich you are. I do not care. It is about the substance, and these people were totally, unbelievably crazy. Caroline Edwards, very attractive, also very unqualified to be a police officer. I'm sorry. Now, some of these people were manipulated and I think uh, exploited by the Democrats. But they're they're big boys and girls, and they went along with it. Cut 40, please. Cut 40. I've been called names before, but never had my patriotism or duty been called into question. I, who got up every day, no matter how early the hour or how late I got in the night before, to put on my uniform and to protect America's symbol of democracy. I, who spent countless hours in the baking sun and freezing snow to make sure that America's elected officials were able to do their job. I, whose literal blood, sweat, and tears were shed that day defending the building that I spent countless holidays and weekends working in. Well, it's called having a job. It's called being a police officer. I'm sorry, but why are we having congressional hearings? Because you guys... Had to do your job. And, oh, by the way, on that day, you didn't do it very well. You didn't. There were massive, massive screw-ups. And the January 6th committee, to not look into that and to not even say her name, Ashley Babbitt, huh? To not even say her name, Caroline Edwards. Who's another one here? I'm going to go through some of the worst moments of this damn charade. Here's one of the, the worst. There was a guy named Judge Ludig. He was a very senior judge. He was very big with Republicans for a long time, but he ne- he's now bitter and mean. Why? Because the Bushes did not make him a Supreme Court justice. So he retired in a huff and tried to make a lot of money, but he couldn't make the money that he wanted. And listen to him now. Listen to this bitterness. And by the way, it's just some judge. It's just some retired judge. And they put this guy on national television to say this trash, and it is trash. Cut 39. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. Wow. That means you and me, if we're a Trump supporter, we are a clear and present danger to American democracy. How is that? How the hell is that? Judge, where do you get off in a clear and present danger? If you look it up, that means that they can break the rules, suspend the rules to eliminate the threat. Us and our crime is supporting Donald Trump. You can go to hell, Judge Ludig. And so can you, Cassidy Hutchinson. And what kind of arrangement did you have with Tony? You know, you got to be very wary of a of a of a person like Cassidy, who's talking to Tony. I presume Tony is married in this situation, and they're cursing. 
They're using the F word in a bunch of text messages back and forth. And they're saying the F word to each other. That's a very charged thing to say to a woman. I have a feeling there's something going on between Cassidy and Tony. What do you think? Cut 37, please, again. I looked at Tony and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? Tony proceeded to tell me. I recall Tony and I having a conversation. I had another conversation with Tony. I remember Tony mentioning knives, guns. Tony would oversee all of that. Tony, Tony, Tony said to me, did you effing hear? Would you ever go up to a woman and say, did you effing hear something? You'd have to be very familiar, very cozy with that woman. Now, we just talked about the Supreme Court. Here's Eugene Scalia, son of Antonin Scalia, the late great Supreme Court justice. He had about 11 kids. I really don't care whether he's related to Antonin Scalia or not. Now, this is what they showed us yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Even Eugene Scalia said the election was over. Who cares? Doesn't say anything about the Secretary of Labor. He was the Secretary of Labor. And he called the president with a message. Cut 35. And so I had to put a call into the president. I might have called on the 13th. We spoke, I believe, on the 14th, in which um, I conveyed to him that I uh, thought that it was time for him to acknowledge that uh, President Biden had uh, prevailed in the election. So what? So what? You're just a guy who works in the swamp and you go home and you turn on the TV and you listen to mainstream media crap. You're the secretary of your opinion is a is of no consequence. This is what they said. Oh, Donald Trump knew he lost because Eugene Scalia said so. Donald Trump uh, knew he was going to lose the election because uh, Steve Bannon said such and such on such and such day. And then they play eight seconds. So selective, so nasty, so dishonest. We are we are finally done with them, and I will never speak of them. Well, will I? I may have to. I may have to, but I'll do it for us. All right. Please, please, please vote. Oh, when we come back, an amazing message from Lee Zeldin. He can beat Kathy Hochul. He can do this. And this ad, if enough people see it, I think he's got it almost locked up. Stay with us. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, see these crazy people throw uh, SpaghettiOs on Vincent Van Gogh? Did you see that? A couple of crazy people in London, England. They look like two teenagers, a teenage boy and a teenage girl threw SpaghettiOs literally right onto a... Uh, uh, Painting by Vincent Van Gogh, who's my, one of my favorites, of course. Vincent Van Gogh didn't make a dime when he was alive, and then that painting is worth today thirty-seven million dollars. Just incredible. Anyway, this nut job uh, goes up, throws the spaghettios on there, and I notice she's got purple hair. And I looked it up, and there's no natural occurrence of purple hair in the uh, human race. So I looked up. Um, all the um, dyes that are out there, nice and easy, Clairol, all that stuff. You should see, there are like 70,000 chemicals in hair dye. All kinds of sodium phosphates and dionyglycerides and just nasty, nasty stuff. She's all about, this is, she threw the SpaghettiOs on because she's all upset about global warming. 
and um, you know technology, and and she's all pro nature. But look at her head, all that uh, you know, and purple. Pick a nice color, nicer color. So that happened. Oh, something else that uh, you know what? This Mitt Romney, uh, enough with him. Enough. He is so taken with himself and so committed to being president of the United States. Why? Because he looks like a president. Because since he was 11 years old, everybody was saying, oh, what a fine, young, good-looking man. And that's it. It's all ego. Now, I'll prove it to you. Because right now, his Senate colleague from his <laughs> new home state of Utah, how about this guy, Michigan, uh, New Hampshire, uh, California, He's had he has homes in Michigan, New Hampshire, California, Massachusetts, and Utah. And now he's a senator from Utah, and he won't cut Mike Lee some slack and endorse him and help him out because he's in a Mike Lee is a Republican. Remember him? He's a big he's a Trump supporter. He's a good guy. I like him a lot. He's up against Evan McMullen, uh, former CIA officer, know it all. This guy comes out, he's 37 years old, ran for president in 2016 against Trump. Yeah, good luck. He endorsed Joe Biden in 2020. And Mitt Romney won't decide between Evan McMullen and Mike Lee, saying they're both good men. Well, here's Evan McMullen. This is the one that he wants to, he's not picking sides because they're both good men and they both deserve a shot. So Mitt Romney would be okay with Evan McMullen being the next U.S. Senator from Utah. Listen to this freak. Cut 44. Looking at these circumstances, looking at Donald Trump's presidency, the, the history of the, the four years of that presidency, how it really all led to January 6th. And then to see that violent, that deadly insurrection happen that threatened our democracy. All of that just describes, of course, a party that is sick, that is rotten. To the core. So he endorses Joe Biden. Mitt Romney really is something else, huh? And he's a loser. He was good at losing. In 2012, he seemed eager to lose. Everybody says, oh, you got to watch this documentary. It's called Mitt on Netflix. Well, I watched it. And what do I see? I see a guy who's totally content with losing. He's even enthusiastic about it. You ever see his concession speech? It looks more like a victory speech, like he's got a great big sense of relief. Show me a good loser, I'll show you a loser, Vince Lombardi once said. Be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, there. there's a big debate tonight between Herschel Walker and uh, Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is known to have abused women i'm sorry and he's also a crazy radical nut job and something of a slumlord herschel walker is uh, right now kind of facing an onslaught of fake accusations and even if one of the accusations that he paid for an abortion back in 2009 even if that's true well guess what back in 2009 it's a long time ago people changed whatever but um it was not against the law and for raphael warnock Driving over a woman's foot, whether or not it's your wife, is a crime. And we have that on police uh, body cam. Police body cam footage. And I want to say something about police body cam footage. You know, something goes wrong. 
Ten seconds later, the authorities are releasing the body cam footage. Is that in the community's best interests? Do we really want that right away? I don't know. Sometimes that stuff is inconclusive. Sometimes it's uh, it, it can exonerate the cop. Sometimes it can implicate the cop. I think that kind of footage, I don't see the public benefiting from seeing it. Do you? And imagine having a job and everything you said and did was on camera and your boss could evaluate it. You know, that's one of the hardest jobs there is. And now we've made it even harder. Imagine just having a, <laughs> you go to work and you've got to strap on a camera and they can hear and see everything you're doing and everything you're seeing. It's one thing, you know, we're already living in a de facto surveillance state. Look up. You're probably on camera right now, wherever you are, wherever you are. If you leave your house and go somewhere, your picture is taken like 60,000 times. It's crazy. It's fine. I guess I can live with it. I guess. But don't start snooping through that stuff. Anyway, um, I don't see the benefit. And let's face it, the community can go wild when they see this stuff. And that's not right. Hey, we have that new Lee Zeldin commercial. Uh, I think this is going to change things. I think this is going to, uh, this is a masterpiece of an ad. So Hochul has nothing to run on. So what is she running on this? Uh, she wants to scare people about abortion. And by the way, she's coming off more pro-abortion than pro-choice. And uh, Lee Zeldin takes on the issue head on with Kathy Hochul. Are we ready? Okay, let's do this. Go ahead. Kathy Hochul knows the more you focus on her record, rising crime, pay-to-play corruption, higher cost of living, the less you'll want her as governor. So she needs to change the subject. Her latest attempt, trying to deceive New Yorkers regarding abortion. Let me be clear. As governor, I will not change and could not change New York's abortion law. Hochul already knows that. Yet she tried to deceive you anyhow, which tells you everything you'll ever need to know about Kathy Hochul. Thank you, Lee Zeldin. I agree. And by the way, it's pretty effective putting his voice in the commercial. I'm sick of these guys with the cool voices. You know, Kathy Hochul, Lee Zeldin is terrible. You know, I like to hear from the candidates themselves. And that was a superb advertisement. Now we got to get it out there. All right. I am not nobody. I don't think anybody really thinks all that much about abortion. When Roe v. Wade passed in 1972, it was a totally different world, all right? The pill was still considered taboo. Uh, if you wanted to go in and buy condoms at a drugstore, it was like a, a nerve-wracking event. I mean, now they hand them out as party favors, literally. Um, it's, it's changed. And it's easier today to avoid pregnancy than it was in 1972, big time. Big time. In 1972, well, that was the sexual revolution, right? It had already kicked in. Remember in the 1950s? I don't remember, but I'm told that you could not check into a hotel if you weren't married. You couldn't just bring some girl into a, you know, decent hotel for, um, you know, some, ac- some recreation. You couldn't do it. You had to be married. And uh, that sounds all square and weird to us now, but I think I think they actually had it right. I really do. All right, we got that. Now, how about these nutjob kids who went into a museum in London, England, and defaced my 
some art by Vincent Van Gogh, who I've always liked as an artist. Do we have that? Listen to this. They throw SpaghettiOs right onto the painting. All right. All right. So what they do is they throw the SpaghettiOs on. They're two kids, 15, wearing big white T-shirts. And then they sit down and they kneel down and they start taking out like these little devices and they start rubbing their hands. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but it turns out I'm pretty sure they are um, they're applying super glue to their hands and then they put their hands on the wall. So when the cops come to take them away. They won't be uh, able to be taken away. Their hands are glued to the wall. By the way, hear the guy how he said, security. You've been to a museum in New York. Those guys are far more attentive. I think uh, the, the security at uh, New York museums is better. All right. And then they make their statement. You ready for the big statement from the environmentalist? Okay, here we go. What is worth more, art or life? Art. Is it worth more than food? Food. Worth more than justice? Are you more concerned about the protection of a painting or the protection of our planet and people? Shut up. The cost of living crisis is part of the cost of oil crisis. Fuel is unaffordable to millions of cold, hungry families. They can't even afford to heat a tin of soup. So what is her beef? What is, I can't, I, at first I thought she was a crazy environmentalist, and I think that was what she finally got around to. Now she has purple hair. Maybe if she spent less time and money dyeing her hair purple, the world would be a better place. Because you know what goes into hair ingredients, hair dye ingredients? Let's see here. p phenylindemonine Phenylindemonine, ammonia, hydrogen peroxide, ricinol, uh, lead acetate, 2-methylresignol, sodium sulfate, uh, amifomerol, diaphamaculturol, nephanol, toline, citric acid, surfacant. <laughs> There's a lot of crap in there. How about lay off the... Lay off the die, and the world could be a better place. Oh, just getting back to Mitt Romney and being such a good loser. And why am I mad at Mitt Romney? Uh, Well, in addition, he voted to impeach Trump, and he just wants to be president, and he's in love with himself, and he's always looking at himself in the mirror. He has no uh, principles. He's just um, about being president, not to do anything, not to get anything done, but to be president. And his father couldn't be president, and now Mitt can't be president, and it's making him a little bit batty. So he lost in 2012. And listen to his enthusiasm in losing. Cut 46. I just can't believe you're going to lose. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think you say in a concession speech? By the way, someone have a number for the president? I do. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. 
Oh, Mitt, you're so gracious in defeat because you're so good at it. That was an election that could have been won. You know, you're so horrified by Trump. He was genuinely pulling for you, genuinely supporting you. And so was I. And you blew it. You blew it. And you're just a little bit too good, a little bit too comfortable at losing. That concession speech that he said, he, uh, oh, what do you say in a concession speech? Well, you put something together, and uh, this is the concession speech of concession speeches. Listen to this. Listen to how, like, undisturbed he is by the loss. This is election night, 2012, cut 47. I have just called President Obama to congratulate him on his victory. His supporters and his campaign also deserve congratulations. I wish all of them well, but particularly the president, the first lady, and their daughters. This is a time of great challenges for America, and I pray that the president will be successful in guiding our nation. Uh, the daughters, too? You got to wish the daughters good. Ch- I don't. There is something about him. I I wish everybody well. Okay, but he did not have. It was like no skin off his apple. He lost the election. It was like it was a project, you know, that didn't work out for him. What about the people? What about the people? And finally, in Trump. We found somebody who was in it with us, you know, who wasn't just it wasn't about him. It wasn't about some ego project. And that's what they don't get right about Trump. They fundamentally don't understand. Oh, this is just about his branding. You look about you look at what he was talking about in 1980 and what he was talking about in 2016 and 2022. The same issues, the same passion. We trust that guy for a reason. Vic in New Jersey. Hello. Hello, yes. I wanted to say that these activists aren't really committed unless they're setting themselves on fire. And, of course, that's just a joke. Now, Vic, we don't want anybody to set themselves on fire. I know you don't want that. Yeah, I don't really want them setting themselves on fire because, actually, they're victims. They just don't know any better. The whole thing is a scam, and it's easy to debunk. There's a graph you can look up. Global temperature and atmospheric CO2 over geologic time. And it will show you that CO2 and temperatures do not only not go together all the time, but they go in opposite directions often. Now, I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds like it, it sounds good. You can look it up. All right. Global temperature and atmospheric CO2 over geologic time. Uh, all right. We'll do. A temperature graph. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's uh, no. I, um, oh, Nancy Pelosi and Schumer. Can you believe that these two people are actually running the country? Cut 50, please. I just got off with the vice president. And I got off with the vice president-elect. So I'll tell okay. But what we left the conversation with, because he said he had the impression from Mitch that Mitch wants to get everybody back to do it there. Yes. I said that what we're getting a counterpoint that is we could take time uh, to clean up the poo-poo that they're making all over the literally and figuratively in the capital, and that uh, it may take days to get back. All right. These these two on January 6th just happened to be followed around by a documentary film crew. Isn't that a little suspicious? It was just right there walking around with Nancy and Chuck. And Chuck was frantic. 
Hey, by the way, we got to vote against that guy, too. How's Joe Pinion doing? Is there going to be a debate? Hey, is 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 Chuck Schumer going to debate uh, Joe Pinion? He better. That's a hallmark of a democracy, isn't it? It is the hallmark of a democracy. You stand up and you have a debate. Nancy, um, I'm sorry, uh, Kathy is uh, ducking. Who else is ducking? Ooh, there was a great debate last night in Michigan. Tudor Dixon, have you heard about her? She's going to knock off that mean girl, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen, nobody, nobody likes Gretchen, and she did a terrible job. Let me do one more. Pete is in New Jersey. Yes. Hello. I wanted to call about that documentary, um, that video of them in the bottom of the White House. I saw it on the news yesterday. Now, here's my question. If Nancy Pelosi's daughter was show, um, taking the videos of what was going on, were did they, she invited to take videos of them um, voting on the legality of the election? Or did somebody know that there was going to be people hiding in there and calling for help and calling to Pence on what to do? You see what I'm saying? Greg? I do see what you're saying, and I think that there was some uh, some knowledge ahead of time about what the hell was about to go down. I think they wanted it to happen. I think that Ray Epps had a role in it. I think the cops knew. I think the FBI knew. And you can just look at the evidence. They let them inside. They waved them in, and they walked off the job before Ashley Babbitt was shot. And I think that somebody said to Nancy Pelosi's daughter, maybe it was Nancy herself, I think it would be a good idea for you to have your camera crew and your filmmaking friends uh, follow me around on uh, January 6th. Totally. Hey, by the way, Pete, uh, that was her daughter who was there? She was the film crew? And you know what? Hey, Pete, 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 I'm asking you a question. Do yeah, you know yeah. that it was, it was it was her? It was Alexandra well, I, Pelosi, the daughter. That's what the news reported that I saw on WABC. Mm, all right, I didn't know that. Well, that's that a, was her daughter who makes film documentaries. I know, I know her. She makes film documentaries. She uh, uh, she's a big documentary. Hey, by the way, her son-in-law was running around that day as well with the horns guy. Why isn't he in jail? You know, the Horns guy didn't break anything or hurt anybody. Man, oh, man, oh, man, it is a great big scam. But don't worry. We're going to have accountability. We're going to finally have some transparency in all this stuff if we win the midterms. And I think we will in a big way. But we must, must, must get out there and vote. Please, please, and tell your friends. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, cops getting shot left and right. You heard about the cops in Raleigh, North Carolina. Big shooting down there. And then Bristol, Connecticut. Where is Bristol? About 75 miles or or so away from New York City. Uh, Two police officers shot and killed. uh, Young guys in their mid-30s. And it was a false call. It was like an ambush. Some nut job calls 9-11 and falsely reports a domestic dispute and uh, just sits there and waits for the cops to show up. To blow him away. <laughs> now, where could he have gotten a crazy idea like that, huh? Where could where could they think that the cops are part of the problem? I just wonder. I mean, if he's been watching television anytime since uh, 2014, he may have seen some of this stuff. Cut 25. 
Police are supposed to protect and serve, but it's clear that they are protecting the beneficiaries of inherent racist policies. And of course, cities have to end the racist policing of black communities. That's where we all started. They're not about one bad cop or one good guy with a gun. or They're about systemic racism. If you have the perspective where the cops have protected you your whole life, that's not how they treat everybody. Racist sheriffs and police free to commit untold violence against anyone they please. Yeah, it's a very realistic assessment of how things are going, huh? <laughs> but by the way, Trevor Noah and the other rich people you just heard from, uh, most of them were people of color, by the way, who don't speak for anybody but themselves. That is a power play within the organizations they where they work. And it's all about their personal power, not up with the people. Totally corrupt. More when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So I am hearing once again that the New York City Police Department is totally leaderless. Absolutely no one is in charge. Everybody's doing their own thing. You need somebody in charge. You need <laughs> you need a system. You can't have a million people going in their own direction. And a lot of that direction is, well, don't engage. Do not engage because the city, they're not going to back you up. If a cop gets in trouble, if a cop sticks his neck out literally and figuratively, who's going to be there? They want to lock up cops. They don't support them. Eric Adams always hated the police department. Absolutely. Look at his background. Look at the things he said about the police department. Try to find out why he joined the police department. You know why? You think he said to serve the community, to help out, to uh, fight crime? No. He said to annoy people. That was his stated mission, to annoy people. That's why he wanted to be a cop. He annoyed a hell of a lot of people, but... He benefited, I guess, by the overall breakdown in uh, in New York and kind of the systems that a, such a less than a mediocrity, such a little miscreant like that guy could become mayor. And how did he become mayor? Because he got the most votes on the last day of school uh, in the Democrat primary where almost nobody voted. Lowest voter turnout since like World War One, 200,000 votes on the last day of school in June and ranked choice voting and presto changeo. This guy is the mayor, and he's walking around thinking like he's the emperor, and he's <laughs> – I don't care. I, yeah. By the way, what's up with – I mean, I can't I'm, – I'm done talking about, oh, wow, he's, he's such a good-looking guy. He's so sharp-looking. It's actually too sharp. It's actually – it shows me that his priorities are not where they should be. Should see me at some days, all right? I'm not you – know, I'm not spending all my time grooming myself. People who are working hard, who've got a lot of responsibilities, who've got things going on, can't sit around polishing their shoes all day long. And that's what he's doing. It's all about the freebies and the fun. Excuse me. Where do you think you're going? Have a seat. My wife just walked in the room. Uh-oh. I thought I was going to be able to sneak out. Listen, I just said something about mothers and how amazing they are. And mommy, all day long, she yells mommy. She doesn't yell daddy. Sometimes she does, but it's only, when does she yell daddy? She yells mommy when she needs something, when she wants something. Then sometimes she yells daddy. Why does she yell? What did, What is Daddy's the... about fun. Yeah. Mommy's about 
fulfilling needs. Fulfilling needs. And uh, I'm all – look, I love the current arrangement. I really do. The other thing is I said that the hip of a woman is designed in part – I know about the childbearing part, but also for the child-carrying part. It's like a little ledge you can prop up the baby on. Is that true? I mean, it feels that way. I haven't researched it, but it's, it's such a cute feeling to have this little baby bottom on your hip, and it fits so snugly. It's got to be evolution. I think it's on purpose. I think I, God wanted it that way. It's got to be because men don't have it. We don't um, have it. So, yeah, look, you're a celebrity. That's what moms are. You're a celebrity to your kids. The minute you walk home, it's like, it's mommy. It's like you're the Beatles. Said, mommy's here, mommy's here, mommy's here. I'm like... You know, you never feel more important. Until they're about 13. Yeah, then they don't want to speak to you ever again. Get out of my room. So I'm capitalizing on these few years. And then at 13, they're going to boarding school. And we'll go to Florida. (laughs) we got to talk about this boarding school thing. Boarding school. I've seen movies about boarding school. I don't want them going to boarding school. They're all going to come out brats and spoiled. Nobody at a boarding school is a nice person. I'm sorry. At least in the movies. JFK went to boarding school. See what I'm, well, did he? Went to Choate. Didn't he go to Choate? Uh, The famous thing about Choate. Yeah, Choate. I don't even like the name of that place. Choate. I don't, we're not, Choate. What the hell is Choate? Let's send it, let's send it to PS 96. It's close. Okay. No, I know. Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, have you got a timer to our wedding anniversary? Oh, shoot. It's less than a month away. I hope you're speaking to your favorite jeweler and are getting something custom. What the? Uh, Why don't you speak to the viewers about what you should wait, do? Wait, wait, wait. Is there something special on the fifth anniversary? I mean, jewelry. I thought a dinner and a movie. Uh, isn't it called the uh, copper plate anniversary? I don't know about that. For the fifth year. All I right. don't know either. Well, happy anniversary in advance. Yes. Okay. Right. Thank Wonderful. You. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. You know, that is interesting about the anniversary situation. It's always about her. Why is that? I was there, too. I got married. I had to put on a suit. I had to get to the to the venue on time. I did my part. Happy anniversary. Why is that? It's a very much a one-way thing, all toward the the, the woman. And I guess I you know, the whole thing about mommy and all that stuff. They do work hard. They do work harder than uh, she works harder than I do. Hey, Fetterman, Oz, they're both courting black voters in Philadelphia. And like Donald Trump said, what do you have to lose? I'm sorry, but Democrat politicians have been failing the black community since uh, the beginning of the 20th century, at least. Now, Republicans, oh, by the way, were the ones who were right about slavery, that it should be ended and stopped. The Democrat Party, if we really want to go to the uh, the origins of all this stuff, we're very pro-slavery. KKK and Democrats, they went hand in hand. I think that was a very brave thing that Donald Trump did, and I hope he does it again next time around. I would like to see him speak more to the other side, more to the left. The base is with him. And tonight, you know, every now and then, who did I hear? Who, who was it? Paul Ryan said today that Donald Trump is unelectable. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Paul Ryan. Remember that guy, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives? Donald Trump is unelectable. The guy who did not get himself elected vice president, along with Mitt Romney, very good losers, by the way, stands for nothing other than prestige, money, uh, status. Um, 
This is a guy who now has established, what does he do for a living? He runs the office of the former Speaker of the House of Representatives. He is a full-time former Speaker of the House of Representatives. Most normal people can't do that. He's a career politician, by the way. He got there when he was like 28 years old. 28. And he was born in 1970, so he gets there in 1998. And now he's making tens of millions of dollars being a former being a former, can you do that? Whatever job you have now, can you be, can you make money being a former one of those things? And I'm not talking about he's, he's retired and he's on a pension, although he is getting a pension, but he's getting serious, serious money from corporate America. Man, what a swamp. And this morning, boy, so-called Republicans, George H.W. Bush, Justice Department officials joining forces with the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee to play up January 6th. Folks, it's disgusting, but we are almost there. I can feel it. Relief is coming. Madeline in Bayport, hello. Hey, hey, Greg. You talked about a lot of things that were interesting since I called, but I'm going to stick with my original call about the uh, the Purplehead freak show over there. You know, seriously, I think the hair dye is getting to their brains because if you're so worried about the poor, and what was it she said, people don't have a tin of soup, um, why are you throwing spaghettios that somebody could eat? It makes no sense. Let's throw feces or, you know, if you're going to deface something, at least deface it with something that people couldn't eat. So you really see the hypocrisy. By the way, your wife sounds like she has a great sense of humor and very nice. Right. And how about that accent, huh? Very nice. <laughs> Have a good weekend. You too. And thank you very much, Madeline. Uh, let's do one more. Oh, Brian is in, are you in Cleveland as in Cleveland, Ohio? I am, as in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi. Hey, uh, no TV and no beer. Make Homer something something. <laughs> One of the best episodes, Halloween episode, where they recreate The Shining. And yeah. um, man, oh, man, that is funny, funny, funny stuff. The Simpsons, I, I think about them all the time, and nobody talks about them anymore. I hope they're doing well in the ratings. Have you liked the show all along? I mean, it, and by the way, I must say, I don't watch... I don't really watch the newer episodes. I just don't have time. But is it still as funny as it used to be? I don't know. I haven't watched the newer episodes either. Probably probably about the mid-2000s is when I stopped watching on a regular basis. So I don't know. Why do we do that? Why? It's a funny show. It totally works, and then we just move away. Why is that? I don't know. Uh, like you said, time, Sunday night. That's a weird time to watch TV, right? No, it's, it's also this. We know it's funny. Sometimes we want we want to see a product. We want to see something where we don't know if it's actually going to be good or not. When we know it's going to be solidly good, we don't always watch. We want part of the allure is, is this going to work or not? Can I judge this? And I don't know. It's like there's something to that. It's like going to a museum where all the artwork is perfect. Sometimes you want to go to a debut to see if it's good or maybe it's not so good. Um, right. It's like, do yeah. you remember the episode where Itchy and Scratchy uh, were canceled because of low ratings? And then they yeah. brought them back and they brought them back and, 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 and Bart and Lisa were like, oh, it's so good to have uh, Itchy and Scratchy and Krusty the Clown back on TV. And then they say... What else is on? <laughs> Remember? I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Hey, real quick, what's going on in Cleveland? And is um, is my man, uh, uh, what the hell's his name again? Vance, uh, J.D. Vance, is he going to win? Uh, I hope so. It's looking uh, it's looking better lately. He's had some, uh, I see he's had some good TV commercials. But, I mean, I was always with him 
from from before. So I get hey, when you know it's good, you stop paying attention, right? What the hell does JD? Um, what the other one? Uh, Tim Ryan have to offer? What is he pushing? What is he? What can he run on? Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't have. Well, he can run on trying to trick people because people that aren't outside of his Youngstown area where he's from, they have no idea he's been there for twenty years and is just an establishment. Horrible guy. Yeah. They don't know that. So much trickery is involved in politics. Brian, thank you very, very much. Um, let's do one more. Chris in Long Island. Yes, Chris. Hey, Greg. Thanks for the call. First time caller. Uh, just wanted to mention thank you for your public uh, uh, evangelization of your faith. I really, I really believe that, and thank you. Second, thank you for your military service. I appreciate it. I was... I was uh, stationed in the States, wish I wasn't, but that's how the Lord wanted it. Third, thank you, thank you Father, very much for all of his service. I was um, several people in my family, including myself, were part of the NYPD. And last but not least, the real reason why I called, uh, I am clearly get the impression that Seawall is gone and Phil Banks is taking over as a commissioner. And I was wondering if you heard that. Well, I have heard rumor rumor mill that there could be a major shift in department leadership very soon. I have heard that. Uh, as to Phil Banks taking over, look, I'd actually see that as a major step in the right direction. I like Phil Banks a lot. But um, he was a chief under my dad, four-star chief. And uh, I like him. And something's got to change, don't you think? So uh, I do hear rumblings of a major shift coming, but I have not heard that specifically. I wouldn't mind it one bit if it happened. How do you feel? I, I'm 100% behind it. I know, Phil, for well over 25 years, we uh, established two foundations for law enforcement, for uh, spouses, widows, and orphans. Uh, in fact, your dad attended uh, one dinner we had about 10, 11 years ago, it's called Tri-State Law Enforcement. You can look it up. Um, we raise a lot of money. Uh, my heart goes out to the uh, five police officers that were murdered this week, and I hope they get their just due. And certainly is for the 12 that were shot. Um, true, true supporter of the NYPD. My son just retired as a second-grade detective. Yes. Of uh, organized crime, and there's there's no way that this uh, seawall from Nassau County, who handled maybe 14 detectives, could ever do the job. It's a very anyway, big job, I think. She, yeah, thank you, Chris, very very much. Thanks for the kind words. You know, in a way, it's not her fault. It was. Uh, it's just too big a job for somebody from the suburbs who's never run a big city police department. It'd be one thing if she were the commissioner of the Nassau County Police Department, but I've never met her. I hear she's nice, but it takes a hell of a lot more than being nice to get the job done in New York City. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on in Staten Island? Anybody following this Nicole Maliotakis and uh, Max Rose race? Uh, I'm pulling for the Republican, of course, although Nicole has been a little bit wobbly on a bunch of stuff. And this Max Rose, I think he's a little bit too much with the military. I was in the military. Okay, good for you. Uh, what can you do for us right now? And uh, I believe he was there and he voted for impeachment. Was he one of those guys 
Yeah, he was. So uh, we don't need him around. Uh, let's see. What else is going on? I feel good. I am back into the exercise mode moderately. And nutrition, it's tough. It is tough. American society, it wants us to be fat. That's how it's designed. It's designed. If you eat three meals a day just to, if, and it just exist, you're going to be overweight. You got to eat like a weirdo to not be fat. I am convinced of that. If you just go with the flow and eat what's put in front of you, you will be overweight. You got to be an oddball. You got to like the thing that I'm doing, the, uh, the what do you call it, the, the intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting. I went to a dinner party the other night, and I did not eat. Was it socially awkward? Yes. Um, <laughs> will that I be invited back? Probably not. Uh, not just because I didn't eat, but I made a series of comments that were deemed um, offensive by some. Uh, namely, uh, I was pro-Trump. <laughs> People were totally appalled. Uh, that coupled with my refusing to eat and then giving in when dessert rolled around, everybody was convinced I was a weirdo. And quite frankly, not eating dinner but eating dessert was pretty weird. But I'm trying to, you know what I mean? I got to, I just... And the other day I saw my face, somebody took a picture. My face looked like it was so wide. You ever feel, I wish it'd be one thing if I could carry, I carry all my weight in my face and that's tough. That's tough. And it makes you want to stay home and it makes you want to be shy and it makes you want to, and maybe I just shouldn't care. I just shouldn't care, but I do. I do. I'm not vain, but I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit self-conscious these days. Uh, all right. So I'm almost done. I got to go across the street for the Newsmax show. Should be pretty good tonight at 10 o'clock, 10 p.m., 10 p.m. on Newsmax. Check your cable listings to find out exactly where it is. Before I go, Bill is in Sparta, New Jersey. Hi. Hello, Greg. I just want to say something that's pretty well known. Every stinking night, and I can't watch TV anymore, but the media, the mass media, 2, 4, and 7, out of New York, um, continues to focus on bashing Trump for the 10,000th time. And it's not enough that America is in big, big trub- trouble financially, stock market, inflation, gas pumps, uh, border, all that's been said over and over. But nothing is mentioned about it, nothing. So that's the media. I boycott all the media. I can't stand the TV anymore. I listen to you. I listen to Rudy, and uh, I listen to WABC 770. Uh, I just want to ask you one thing. Yeah. Um, my father was a cop out here in New Jersey, retired many years ago, uh-huh. and he carried an old 38 revolver. He carried a billy club, a nightstick, yeah. and he was prepared for anyone who got out of line. Yeah. And I heard on the men, the radio today that these uh, uh, two officers that were killed in, in Connecticut weren't uh, carrying any of those things, um, which could have maybe helped them. What I do you really mean? Wait a know. second. You just said a, I'm sure they had guns. They had guns. Yeah. They were armed. Right. And they probably had stun guns. They, it's not a matter of a lack of equipment these days. Absolutely. You know, they got they got all the stuff. Yeah. But I, I think what they're, they're, you know, a cop is so apprehensive today because if he's out of line for anything he might do, he could be his job could be on the line. A job, and they're, they're, a job, and livelihood, and also freedom, freedom. 
Yeah. You're throwing these guys in jail. And, oh, by the way, if you mouth off to a cop, you're somehow on the side. You're on the right side, right? I mean, we delegitimize cops. Yep. Remember Absolutely. that guy? You get pulled over. Oh, well, why are you pulling me over? I mean, you can res- – it's just – it's it's such a their, crime. Their job is tougher now than ever, and I really – I support them 100%. Well, people are dying, cops and civilians who would be alive right now if it wasn't for these Black Lives Matter lies. The lies, the campaign, all the false rhetoric about systemic racism that Joe Biden has been pushing, trashing his own country, lying about it. Listen, I appreciate it. And, Barbara, just before I go to break, I mean, just before I knock it off for the night, uh, hi, Barbara, what is it? Hi, Greg. I just wanted to say, in light of what you've been talking about in the show and going into the weekend, we should all remember our founder, James Madison, who told us, crisis is the rallying cry of the tyrant. So the more crises that this this administration and the people in power can create, the better it works for them, whether it's a naturally occurring crisis or whether it is a manufactured crisis like Black, Black Lives Matter, like the border being totally open. Crisis is the rallying cry of the tyrant. Wow. James Madison, we were so lucky to get those founding fathers. We really were. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you all. Ten, have a great weekend. I'll be back Monday and tonight, 10 p.m. on the Newsmax show and if you think about it, you can check out my book on Amazon. comes out in January, available for pre-order. It's called Justice for All. See you later, and many thanks. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.